it's an adventure. That's how I've been kind of just coining that phrase. It's my real estate investment adventure. And it's not always pretty and it's gritty and you just keep smiling as much as you can. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Danielle Cardinal, who was one of my students and purchased an off-market cottage property, brought in some JVs, did a burr on it, and uh, you get to hear all about the, the ups and the downs as well, because uh, all these projects can be challenging, especially if you're doing major renos. Uh, and uh, and she's very insightful. She's very willing to share. I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast. Um, Danielle is definitely a huge inspiration. And if you are sitting on the sidelines and wondering when to start or how to start, I think this is a great episode to give some motivation and some insights along the way. Before we bring in Danielle, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom at Streetwise Mortgages. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As we approach the end of 2022 and head into 2023, myself and my team at Streetwise Mortgages would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a healthy and prosperous year ahead. To say that 2022 was a roller coaster when it comes to real estate in Canada is an understatement. I'm not going to rehash the old news headlines and call that my 2022 reflection. Instead, I choose to focus on moving forward and give you some actionable tips and strategies to consider as you plan for the year ahead. First, take a moment and reflect on your real estate goals from 2022. What went well? What didn't go so well? And what did you learn? Write down the top five things and most importantly, what would you do different in the future? Second. No one, and I seriously mean no one, can predict what's going to happen in 2023, although I'm sure many guesses will come close. It is, however, really important for you as a real estate investor to focus on stabilizing and fortifying your portfolio against whatever may come. There are four specific actions for you to consider to stabilize and fortify your portfolio. Number one. Address cash flow pressures at the portfolio level. This includes exploring debt restructuring solutions such as extending amortizations, paying down expensive debts with cheaper money, or see if the streetwise cash flow booster strategy may work for you. To learn more about this strategy, you can Google streetwise mortgages cash flow booster. And like I said, keep in mind the total portfolio level cash flow. If getting every single one of your properties to positive cash flow is not feasible, then consider adding more income to the portfolio through strategies such as charging more for uh, additional things such as parking, storage, considering short-term rentals or mid-term rentals, or even investing in a high cash flow property. In this market, there is starting to be some really good finds out there. Or alternatively, consider lending out some of your capital in conservative, well-vetted private mortgages. In times of uncertainty, cash and cash flow is key, and there are many ways to get there. Number two, as much as feasible, exit any private loans you may have already. 
Many private lenders are currently changing their lending guidelines due to the market conditions, and that includes increasing their interest rates, lender fees, or cutting down their loan to values. So unless you have specifically planned for higher holding costs and have a clear exit plan, this is not the time to lean on private money heavily. Number three, manage your interest rate exposure. If you have properties that are coming up for market renewal in the next six months, the rate decision you make today is very important. It's actually more important than ever and will likely have a long-term impact on your success. Everyone generally agrees that we are nearing the top of the rate increase cycle. Therefore, avoid locking into five-year fixed rates because this will lock you in at the height of the cycle. In fact, that would be the highest fixed rate in 15 years. If you can afford the additional 50 basis points increase forecasted for 2023, and as an investor, you value the flexibility of being able to rebalance your portfolio on a short notice, then stick with a variable rate. Otherwise, consider a short-term fixed rate for one or two years. My fourth and most important tip to you is Please remember to prepare and plan for success. By that, I mean free up any underutilized capital that you may have. Yes, this capital can be used to weather a storm. However, it will be very handy and will serve you well to jump on opportunities that this market will present. At the beginning of COVID, when the markets were tanking, I shared with you a quote that says, luck favors the prepared. And today I share this quote with you again. Unlock this capital. Set up or increase your secured line of credits on properties where possible. And with the guidance of your mortgage broker, you can also tap into unsecured lines of credit. I also invite you to encourage your joint venture partners to do the same and to also get them mortgage ready. Remember, prepare for success. As always, my team and I are here to help you make 2023 your best year ever in real estate. Reach out to update or create your customized financing roadmap and to incorporate the four actions into your 2023 plans. Contact us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to book your planning session and get your customized complimentary financing roadmap. Awesome, Dahlia. Great insights. Guys, don't forget to reach out to Streetwise Mortgages if you haven't yet. On that note, let's bring in Danielle. Danielle, welcome. How are you? I'm awesome, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on. You've been a, a great uh, student of mine, uh, and I, <laughs> I've loved getting to, to see your, your results and, and how you've maneuvered through uh, you know ups and downs and challenges, but you took the plunge and you made things happen. And so Super excited to have you on so you can share your journey with, uh, with all the listeners. This is amazing. Thank you so much. It's such a cool milestone. I get to get a podcast with my coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So let, let's start from the beginning then. Maybe tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how and why you got started in real estate. Funnily enough, real estate kind of came onto my holodeck early in the 2000s. And I was with someone who was interested in it, but uh, that relationship dissolved and kind of the real estate investing fell to the side. And I always kind of regretted not jumping in then. And you have all those uh, kind of worries and 
things holding you back. So that was like in my mid-20s. So now getting back in during the pandemic, reintroducing myself to a community in Ottawa, thanks to my awesome neighbor, Esther, I said, this is something that I really want to continue to do or get involved with. So whenever I get scared, I just remember that 25-year-old who said, I'll pass and I wish I hadn't. So that kind of keeps me uh, going. And I just want to encourage those people to jump in because I'm so glad I did. And you don't have to be a certain age because I'm a fab 40 female and I'm doing it now. So carpe diem. Awesome. Now, can you share a little bit about like what your strategy is in general from a real estate standpoint and like a little bit of what your portfolio might look like? Certainly. Um, my portfolio I kind of got started with short-term rental in 2014. I had a condo and I traveled quite a bit myself. So I knew that I wanted to explore the Airbnb platform, which was kind of kind of just starting. And I knew I'd gain momentum as a traveler myself. So that kind of got um, interested or my feet wet. And then I purchased my primary residence in 2015. And I was really specific that I wanted something to help me pay for my mortgage because I was purchasing it alone. So even uh, as I closed on my priory residence, I had a basement tenant lined up. I had Airbnb guests. So I know that my mortgage would always kind of be taken care of. So that helped me get a taste for it. And then later on, I saw the potential of getting passive income. So I started attending courses again or networking events rather in 2020. And then I uh, went to the Have Your Cake and Eat It Too. And I got to meet a rad coach. And I work really well with coaches. So um, that's another tip I have for people, like make the investment in yourself. You're, you're so worth it. And it may be uh, a kind of scary number at first, but just have that faith that you'll have that accountability and you'll work towards your goals. So working with Sarah for the scale and grow, that was awesome. Got to collaborate with some really great people and got out of my comfort zone because uh, I'd done stuff like spoke to people in my neighborhood because I've the bungalow scenario in my neighborhood is amazing for making second dwellings and things like that, making it really profitable. So I wanted to explore that. I also did things like mail outs or trying to reach maybe absentee owners. And then I was getting those flyers um, in my mailbox as well for people who were looking to purchase homes. So interestingly enough, I decided to reach out via a Facebook group in a rural or waterfront area and asked if anyone wanted to sell their cottage, whether they'd consider approaching me first. And funnily enough, that's kind of the deal that first came to me. And I was able to negotiate an off-market purchase right at the heat of the market. So waterfront properties, we know, are not uh, being duplicated or reproduced. And we're really fortunate in the Ottawa area to have some really nice lakes. So I decided to um, go through with this particular deal. I knew that the after repair value would be above a million. So I had to then look for JV partners, which was great because I got to present to my group from Scale and Grow and they gave me their feedback. And I was able to uh, collaborate with two other partners and we purchased the property as a company and our respective companies uh, co-own the company that is the, um, the waterfront property. And our goal was for short-term rental. So April of 2022, we get the property and we started really aggressive reno and rural properties, as you indicated with your different ventures, are a completely different ballgame. So it was interesting to learn lessons. And also what I discovered, I really like to build relationships and I feel like the currency of goodwill 
needs to gain a bit more momentum. So uh, I was able to connect and work with some really fabulous contractors and tradespeople. And that's where I felt that I excelled and really enjoyed the work, even though it was disguised as a problem or a challenge. I had some really great people to address that issue and kind of find solutions. That is awesome. I mean, yeah, it's great to see, you know, the progress. And now you're you're you've got a, you know, a big project that you just finished. And then your Instagram was amazing, by the way, because you gave <laughs> updates on like every single week and your experience and what was going on and the challenges. And you weren't afraid to share the challenges because there's a lot of like great things that happen with real estate. But it, like it doesn't come easy. It comes with a heck of a lot of problems. The more, you know, the more you take on, the more deals you do, the more and the bigger the problems will be. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, it, and it's great to see you, how you overcame them. And I think it all comes down to mindset and, and you have that great mindset to be able to persevere and, and continue. And, and let's talk about that for a second. But, you know, what is it about, because obviously it was not an easy, you know, um, an, an easy feat uh, for this property and, and probably a lot of your other ones as well. What did you think it is with somebody like you, for example, that says, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to, go get past this and problem solve. Like, let, let's talk about that for a bit. Sure. And you're right. Mindset is key because I'm a big uh, fan of quotes and I can't uh, not mention my support system. My family has been phenomenal. And fortunately, the lake that I'm working on is a lake where my parents are. So even just simple things like having them around in my corner has been huge. My partner, my sidekick is amazing. And even though he's not financially involved with the project. He's there kind of propping me up and uh, and helping with things and even the people in my network. So seeing other people succeed, having an opportunity to um, kind of pick people's brains. And when things came up, I didn't hesitate to reach out to you or if others were discussing certain things that uh, even things like platforms for our short-term rental or some of the issues they've been having. So again, there's your mindset, there's kind of like your network and there's also those challenging days, just remembering that this too shall pass, kind of like, it's an adventure. That's how I've been kind of used, coining that phrase. It's my real estate investment adventure, and it's not always pretty, and it's gritty, and you just keep smiling as much as you can. <laughs> Absolutely. How, so are there things that you do to relieve stress that you find that works well? Like, is, is it like a sport or... You know, <laughs> meditation or like just some like how do you relieve your stress along the way? Well, funnily enough, having a rural property has been awesome for me because I really enjoy being in nature. So physically on the property itself, it's kind of funny. We have a resident otter and it seemed like on the really most brutal days, he'd kind of show up in the bay and reassure me somehow. So I was like, oh, my God, how cute is that that I have an otter showing up at the property? But also... um, Funny enough, you say sports. Uh, I like to push my limits and try new things. So I got into roller derby uh, in 2000, well, about six years ago. And I know that the times I could to connect with my team again really helped to just get physical, forget about things like real estate and just worry about skating my butt off and um, and having a really great workout. So it's really a mix. I'm, I think I'm eclectic in my approach because sometimes things work, but sometimes you would just have to find something else. So a mix of like nature, organized sports, and a really strong support system for sure. That's awesome. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a moment and introduce you to one of my favorite paralegals, Andrew Chubetta. 
With over a combined decade of experience, Caveat LLP provides legal assistance for real estate investors and entrepreneurs, primarily practicing in the areas of landlord and tenant law. Caveat LLP is your one-stop shop when dealing with all of your tenant issues. Give them a call for a free consultation at 289-339-1311. That is Caveat LLP. Andrew Chubetta has been instrumental in helping me as a landlord and as a real estate investor, and I'm sure he can help you as well. Again, that's 289-339-1311. And now back to the show. Let's talk about the cottage property, because I, I think that's your biggest your biggest uh, one so far that you've taken on, um, probably the best Definitely. reward, but also the, the bigger challenges along the way. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, let, let's talk about like, you know, before closing, um, you know, you're, you're you're an experienced investor in a sense, but you're also still learning and you're still new and in, in the sense that you, you know, this is probably your first big reno project. Uh, and, and I think your first one with JVs as well. And so, um, you know, let's, let's talk about before closing. Like, what are some of the things that you learned along the way that you can share with the listeners uh, of, you know, everything from the time that you maybe negotiated the deal, uh, found your, your JVs uh, and all that stuff? So because I chose to do an off-market, uh, my due diligence, I felt, had to be even more uh, meticulous. And even then, um, I thought I was I was checking off all the boxes. But when you're in a rural community, sometimes things don't move as quickly. So you really have to budget for extra time. Uh, building your team, you always mention, is super important. And because I was working off-market, I I'd kind of hoped to get a bit more guidance from my legal team. So I think... You know, again, when you approach your legal team, have the time or the discussion with them about their real estate experience and how they're going to support you if you choose to find something off market. When it came to inspections, again, you're in a rural area and even getting the right people on site was sometimes a bit of a mission. I was really fortunate to interview not a huge amount of tradespeople. But enough that I decided to go with some local people, uh, some people I'd established a relationship with, and some people who had really strong references. And they showed up for me in ways I couldn't even imagine because we, for example, in the month of May, we had the derecho storm come through. And our contractors, rather than leave the site and say, well, there's no power, they drove to Kingston to get their hands on a generator, which is like an hour and a half away, to come back to work. And that just blew my mind. Amazing. Just the yeah. integrity and the um, the support I got from them, whereas I, I know that others have horror stories, uh, or I guess our horror stories were what the property was presenting. But my contractor had identified his passion as not typical projects. He loved to problem solve. So boy, did I show up for him in that respect. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, but, but you know what? That That is interesting because like you got really lucky with it because the contractor horror stories is what happens a lot of the time, and you know, especially as as you're you're picking out your contractor for the first time and trying them out for the first time. They don't always work mm-hmm. out, right? Like, was there yeah. anything you did specifically to make sure that that was the right one that was going to work for you for that project as well? Yeah, uh, I was fortunate that first of all came the referral. This particular individual was actually from Toronto and he'd worked with a friend of mine getting um, second dwellings ready in Toronto. So I knew that he was familiar with real estate and wanting to earn passive income. And then my one of the markets I was exploring in the beginning was Sudbury. And I spent a lot of time in Sudbury, which is my former hometown. And we'd actually had the opportunity to visit a commercial property together. So I actually saw how he evaluated things, how he priced out his work, 
and just his style. And it was really a great opportunity to see, again, what his skill set was. And he was saying what, what particular projects he really appreciated. So when he said he didn't like typical projects, I'm like, well, boy, do I have a proposition for you? And um, it was a really unique model in that because he came from the Toronto area, he and his team would come and work for a particular stretch of time and then return for some rest. But while they were on the property, they did, it wasn't like a nine to five gig and then they'd check off. They actually stayed at the property. We provided them accommodation and they worked uh, at all hours. So if ever it got too hot during the day, they'd work in the evening, things like that. So it definitely wasn't a typical um, kind of working relationship. And that ended up working in our favor just because of some of the interruptions. But I do realize that what we got done in the time frame we did is amazing. I have friends in the city who are, you know, having to sue contractors because of delays, who are having to uh, hire new contractors. And that, that wasn't the case with our general contractor. I mean, and that's like how I did my, my cottage. Like my first one that I bought is we ended up having our contractors from Brantford back then actually stay at our cottage. Because at least like you kind of know what you're getting into, right? And, and yeah. uh, it's a different breed. I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't any good ones like that are like far, you know, in cottage country, but it's also on a different timeline. <laughs> the ones yes. that are used to that like, slower lifestyle. So, um, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose. Uh, I'm sure there's good ones for and, and bad ones for for every single one. But it's it's nice to see that your contractors uh, were there. But let's let's talk about so so we talked about that, um, and you set that up beforehand. Uh, and then you, you know, you found your JVs, um, because essentially like, let's talk about that. So like, why did you decide to go to the JV route and, uh, and how did you find them? Certainly. So the JV route kind of ties into the, um, due diligence I'd done before. I knew that after repair values, I was looking at what properties on the lake were selling for. And I knew that once this particular property was upgraded, it would be above what my salary would allow under like the regular A lender type of scheme. So um, I automatically started asking for JVs who might be interested in this type of property. And funnily enough, when I started uh, being a bit more public about what I was looking for, even on my my personal social, uh, an old university friend said, oh, you're interested in investing? Because I'd said, does anyone in Sudbury have a property? And she kind of piped up and said, oh, we love investing. And we have a few uh, properties like tell us more. And we had the opportunity to bring them to the site and they got to see the site and we kind of got to brainstorm. And I think because the appeal of, you know, uh, not the appeal, but what the pandemic revealed about people needing an opportunity to kind of get away and get into nature. And because we're just about an hour from Ottawa, we really, really saw this great opportunity to provide that particular type of accommodation. So they being uh, high tech and government workers, they're kind of like our, our key audience. So it was funny kind of marketing to them about marketing to people in, in their situation about the short-term rental opportunities. And, um, as I was saying kind of quickly before we started, um, you always advocate for people having really strong, robust JV agreements that we had your peers from different law firms kind of reaffirm that. And when it came down to the crunch, I kind of tossed it to the back of the list because I thought I had more high priority items. However, when there are conflicts, you're spending more time to untangle it in the moment. So I would caution those out there who 
like me might want to bump it to the bottom of the list or somewhere else on the list, keep it exactly where it is and get that really, really sorted out and cemented and clarified before you have that first issue come up. Because even uh, things as simple as how you would communicate. So if people prefer to text, great. If people want to hear um, each other's voices when they're making big decisions, if they want to commit to touching base every three days, even parameters like that are super, super important. You think, oh, I'll develop it on the fly. How about you tweak it on the fly, but at least have a baseline from which to start? Mm-hmm. So that's the, the JV part of things. I've learned that I'm happy to collaborate. That being said, um, I wish I'd taken the time to maybe clarify the parameters of our agreement a bit more. Yeah, exactly. And what the expectations are, who does what. Um, and it's and it's a lot easier to do it, like you said, prior and then understanding. So both, you know, all parties understand exactly what's required or expected of them. And if there's a conflict, here is how it gets resolved. Uh, and it's just going to be a lot easier and smoother moving forward. So definitely some great, great, you know, tips there, Danielle, uh, mm-hmm. for, for listeners to to really be able to have those conversations uh, you know, before the deals close about, you know, what happens, the contingencies and all that good stuff. Um, yeah. everything is great. You probably don't need that JV agreement, but if, you know, there are going to be, you know, conflicts or things that happen, you do want to know ahead of time how everything is going to be resolved, um, or, you know, how it goes. Um, because you don't, you know, surprises, those types of surprises are not, are not great. Um, yeah. But aside from that, so you close on the property uh, yep. and then you you take possession of the house. Uh, and I think you've uncovered some surprises along the way. Um, yeah, some surprises. And we were joking about rural. Yes, it's a different pace of life. And coming in, I had this kind of like city approach where I would meet someone and be very business oriented. And I had my list of things I wanted to ask. And what I soon discovered is that it's like 20% business and the rest, the 80% is building that goodwill with people, chatting about the area, chatting about the history of the property and things like that. So that was a bit of an attitude adjustment for me. I feel I'm amicable and personable, but it was just funny to kind of tone it down a bit so that you first build that relationship with, you know, be it your building official, be it, you know, the contractor who's coming in to inspect the septic or things like that. So, um, that would just be my kind of hint for people or my suggestion rather is to don't hesitate to put in the time and build those relationships because when challenges do come up, these can be some of the resource people you go, you turn to and they're the ones who'll kind of guide you as best as they can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so can I ask like how long, how long did the renovations take from start to finish? So we got possession of the property on April 10th and we had our first uh, rental group in at the beginning of August. So turning a cottage that was a three-bed, one-bath into a four, five-bedroom, two-and-a-half bathrooms ready to rent in that uh, amount of time. Um, The septic system, luckily, we were able to upgrade in kind of uh, two steps. So it wasn't too disruptive to our our rental periods and things like that because we did want to get into the summer season. We'd hope to have July as a rental period. But again, as great coaches will tell you, double your budget and double your timeline. So things like yeah. that did come up, but we were happy to still get some um, some summer rentals in and uh, kind of stretch our legs at the end of the summer months. Nice. Could I could I ask how much per night uh, you were able to ask for? Uh, during the peak 
peak season, we were aiming, uh, our friends and family rate was about 600 a night. And then we were advertising for eight. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the, the market change and things like that, it's been interesting to see people be a bit more hesitant uh, with their expendable income. So we've had to modify a little bit. But luckily, we still have key periods like Christmas and New Year, and we're getting a hot tub in for the, the winter season and things like that. So that's kind of what we're looking at. Our target is groups for up to 12 people, and we've set up the cottage so that it can be two different living spaces. So families who have their routines or their different, like their different spaces, that's kind of how we've organized it. It's a two-floor nice. setup. Awesome. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you looking for a reliable contractor for your next Burr multifamily conversion or flip project? Somebody who understands how to work with investors and also real estate investing itself. I've personally partnered with Lee Pollock from Wise Construction. We're actively doing many projects together in Hamilton and Welland. So things like smaller three and four unit conversions and also some larger buildings where we're converting some large empty commercial spaces into residential units. And it's always been important to me to partner and hire a contractor who does not only high quality work, but is on time and on budget. And it's also a huge bonus that they have their own in-house trades, employees and a warehouse full of building materials so that they can avoid the many labor and material shortages that we hear about often these days. A good project done on time, on budget and with high quality work will be key to the success of your Burr multifamily conversion or flip projects. So to connect with Lee from Wise Construction, text or phone him at 416-525-5951. Again, that is 416-525-5951. And now back to the show. I think hot tubs for cottages are one of the, actually probably the best return on your investment or your money for these because that this is where for the summer it won't matter as much but like your off season your mid season uh this is where your cottage might stand out over another cottage that doesn't have a hot tub even if everything else is very very similar um and it's funny because like i have a hot tub in my house and i don't even use it but i like <laughs> but i think if it's like in a cottage and you're with friends and that kind of stuff it's like it's a bit of a different vibe um and the ones that i have with hot tubs do much better than the ones i don't ha that I have with no hot tubs um, one thing to note, we found out we were were looking at rentals to start just for being mm -hmm. a bit more fiscally uh, responsible. Check with your insurance. Our insurance, for some reason, is worried about a drowning risk for a hot tub and we're next to a lake. And that was surprising and That's hilarious cool. at the same time. So we've had to modify our policy. And uh, yeah, so yes, hot tubs, absolutely. Just for those who are starting out, speak to your insurance about hot tubs, about the saunas, all that stuff. So you don't get a surprise after you purchase something. Yeah. It's kind of a tip. Definitely a great, great, great tip. Or switch to a different uh, insurance broker to find you another insurance company that has uh, no issues about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, the hot tub's an interesting thing. And I, the only thing I would just say is just because I, I literally just installed one in May. I think it was May or April this year. Um, and we couldn't do it in the winter because, and I don't know how your place is set up, but you have to pour the cement pad first and you have to let it like sit there for like whatever amount of time it needs to curate. And it's yeah. better to do it when it's like dry and it's not going to snow. So I think if you're going to do the, like do the pad earlier, mm -hmm. you know, cause otherwise they won't be able to deliver the hot tub or they might just, anyways, we had our hot tub like 
I didn't know like all of this stuff necessarily. Matt used to take <laughs> care of all the hot tub stuff for me in the past. Yeah. And then I learned that because we wanted the hot tub for like last winter. And then I like wanted to get everything organized. And then they like cement guy, he's like, no, we can't do it in the winter. You have to wait till the spring. <laughs> Luckily, we're going for a rental and it's um, a particular company that my parents have used for years and years. And they kind of just roll up. You set it up on either a wood frame or something like that. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we've a nice between solution until we do find the location on the property and set it up with like you said the concrete pad and stuff like that yeah for sure <laughs> and the other thing I found too is that like I mean luckily our, our cleaner is amazing that's up there by our cottages and like she'll do it but like you know otherwise you're gonna have well I think you have your parents uh to do the hot but the hot tub is a whole thing like you either you're, you have to look into it you have to shock it you've got to add like you know chlorine or romine each time you probably gonna have yes. to smell it with water so it's, it is like it is a little bit more like, you know, TLC um, than just a, a, you know, regular cleaning of the cottage. Uh, but if, if yeah. you have somebody to do everything together at once, then you don't have to hire another company or you know, if you do it yourself, it's a nightmare. So it's just it needs to be checked, you know, and reset and everything like right in between each time, each tenant, each renter. Yeah. And it, funnily enough, we've had to kind of source out more cleaners because we are in a remote area and we did start with one company, but or return on investment, it, it was a bit too costly. So we're kind of looking at our options. And when you approach them about other tasks, like some managerial tasks, or even just like small little staging things that are important uh, when you are welcoming guests. And most of the time we're, we're quite open. So we're looking to kind of invest in that particular employee and maybe uh, have them do a bit more and keep them around because if they can stay in the area and live in this area and you make it a win-win that's kind of what we're after as much as we can mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so the famous question is would you do it again <laughs> would you do another one again absolutely absolutely i i mean i'll definitely take all this learning with me and uh, be better the second time uh, and i know that shifting into my next project i'm looking more of a city thing uh, for the accessory dwelling unit and a second dwelling unit, things like that, because the government has a more of an openness now to create more housing, which is great. But rural properties or just waterfront properties, people, especially now, if they're looking to be a bit more frugal and not necessarily purchase a cottage or they don't want to bother with something like that, they will still want those weekends away or those weeks away during the summer. And having benefited from that for most of my life, being a cottage kid, like I love being able to provide that for people because that's where you're making memories. That's where you're recharging your batteries. That's where you're connecting with your family. So yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now you're going and you're adding more to your portfolio from a rural or a, a city standpoint uh, mm -hmm. in Ottawa. Um, you're still working full time. Um, how are you managing like your, your schedule and you know, how you compartmentalize both? Uh, it's I'm fortunate that I work shift work for the time being, and that's been really helpful, especially this summer, because I was able to take big blocks of time off for my holidays and be on site. So that was my role. I was really on site with my contractors almost every day because I did want to learn. And luckily, they were very open to answering most of my questions and having me along. But also, I was the runner for um, materials because you have to think if your contractor would have to spend all this time to travel to and fro to get bits and pieces. You're taking them off the job site. So I'd kind of taken that on as well, just to for cost savings and also to learn. 
So managing it, uh, I have to be transparent. I don't have any kidlets, like hats off to those people who do it with like Bambinos and Bambinas, holy smokes. I have a dog and a really great sidekick, so I'm good in that respect. Uh, the shift work, like I said, helps because I have four and five days off at a time. So I can be present for things like uh, maintenance for the furnace or things like that. But because there's three of us there, we did split a lot of the the tasks once the renovation is done and we're still learning. So it's remembering to rest, remembering to sleep properly, uh, eat properly, things like that. Keep your body moving. Uh, th those have really helped. But uh, I do feel overwhelmed at times. And it's just kind of like to disconnect and realize that it's okay to top up your own batteries from time to time because you can't come into the project like completely tapped out because unfortunately it's just you can't draw from an empty cup yeah no absolutely um and uh and last question before we get into the lightning round um okay. how are you managing how are you managing all of the portfolio right now are you still self-managing and if so like what you know what tips do you have for somebody that's doing that um for my Primary residence, funnily enough, I've shifted to more medium-term rentals, so 28 days and more, because I know that's the, the better strategy now. Uh, I'm managing that. And then for this particular uh, cottage property, because we purchased with the corporation, we decided to work with a, an accountant that my business partners are familiar with, with their portfolio. So that bit is being managed by them, but like my mileage and my um, expenses and stuff, that's all things... I'm still logging in because I want to learn this piece, but because I know I don't like numbers very well, I look forward to offloading that. Or yeah. just to well, what about like with like renters, communication, oh. cleaners, like you know, replenishment mm -hmm. items. Like what about all of that stuff? So in my primary residence, that's myself and my partner primarily, and then this property, uh, it's it's shared. It it's really is shared. And I think that we wanted to give ourselves maybe at least one season to see uh, how we excel and what areas we enjoy. Because I'm doing the social, for example, for Portisol, which is the name we've chosen for the, the water property. And the others are doing things like Facebook and the communications we're sharing because we're getting different feedback from our guests. And it also gives us an opportunity to kind of trade off. So the weekends I'm working, my partners can kind of manage the communication with our guests who are staying at the property and troubleshooting if things come up. So that particular part has been beneficial because there are three bodies uh, for that particular property. That's uh, that's worked out well. Awesome. Okay, very, very cool. Now, uh, if somebody does want to rent your cottage, like is there a, a site or somewhere to go to or a link? Sure, absolutely. We've decided to go with uh, three platforms. So Airbnb, VRBO and also cottages in Canada. So some people have voiced their concerns about fees, et cetera, that might be attached to the more traditional platforms, whereas cottages in Canada really gives you an opportunity to manage everything and the renter will pay less fees. But the name of the property is Portisol, which means sunset in Portuguese because the sunsets are epic. So that's P-O-R-D-O-S-O-L underscore White Lake, because that's where we are. We're in White Lake, Ontario, just an hour outside of Ottawa. So we do have an Instagram account and we're present on the platforms that I mentioned and they've been really successful. And then Facebook, I know that many of us who own cottages are on the the Ontario Cottage Owners Group. So that's, that's been a great resource as well. Very cool. Thanks for all those tips. So Danielle, the next part of the podcast <laughs> is the lightning round. You're going to answer the same five questions that every guest gets in 20 seconds or less. Are you ready? Yo, let's do it. 
And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's lightning round has been brought to you by midtermrentalproperties.ca. It is a new way to rent, make more cash flow, take back control over our investments and our portfolios using a different creative strategy and pivoting. So if you want to find out more, go to midtermrentalproperties.ca. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? I still remember real estate um, being introduced to it with Rich Dad, Poor Dad in my early 20s. And I know that's a stereotypical one that on all the lightning rounds, but that's really when I got introduced to the idea of passive income. All right. Very cool. Great book. Number two, not necessarily real estate related, but do you have a favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? I'm eclectic, so I'm going to say no. I like to uh, dabble. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun? Fun. I appreciate the time I spend with my dog and my partner. I like being on roller skates and I can't wait to get back to traveling. I need to get on a plane this sometime this year and uh, go rediscover bits of the world and have my faith in humankind restored and all that good stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you've been so busy working on the cottage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Number four, if somebody, if you lost all of your money on all your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? How would I start again? I would um, be really, really broad in my approach, real estate, uh, some stock investing, things like that. And I would definitely use the power of my network, but also working with others because sometimes people are so concerned about getting a whole pie that they forget that they could share a pie with others. So that would be my approach, going at it with a team approach. All right, very cool. And final question, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started in real estate, how would you recommend they start? Get into as many networking groups as you can, uh, meet some really great people. And I know people say, choose your specialty, but also take a look at the markets. I know we can't predict things, but don't be too, too fixated on one because there are still opportunities in others. So keep an open mind, talk to a lot of people and you know what, that 50,000, you may use, you know, a third of it for coaching, but it's going to be worth it. All right. Very good. Danielle, where can my listeners reach out and find out more if they wanted to speak with you directly? Uh, the best way to reach me is at my Instagram account, which is roller skates and real estate, <laughs> my two great passions. And yeah, please send me a question via my uh, DMs and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And uh, you can see my quirky updates. Like Sarah said, it was my journal during the project. And don't hesitate to ask me questions about what happened during all those great weeks. Amazing. Awesome. Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your journey and congratulations. Nice to thank see you so your journey along the way in the last year. Thanks so much, coach. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.